welcome to creating wealth through passive apartment investing podcast in this show we will discuss about best and worst experiences about passive and active apartment investing and i am your host ramakrishna let's begin the show today's our guest is arn senadella from spark investment group welcome arn hi rama great to be here look forward to speaking with your listeners Thank you. A little bit about Arn. Arn Senadella, founder of Spark Investment Group, is a real estate expert with more than four decades of experience. Arn involved in real estate sales, appraisal, property management, and investments, including 35-plus long-term rental hold properties in California, Virginia, Texas, and South Carolina. During that time, Arn interested in real estate ranging from single-family homes and fix-and-flips to lands, subdivisions, and condominium conversions to commercial multifamily properties. Arn has started to transition his active rental portfolio into multifamily investments, both as LP and GP. With that, Arn, would you like to add anything to your background? Oh, sure. Be glad to. So um, my training and education was actually as a scientist. I have a master's degree in science in physical chemistry from the University of Michigan. But at a certain point, I determined that probably wasn't the life path I wanted to take. So I returned to the San Francisco Bay Area where basically I was born and raised and went to work in a residential real estate business with my father, Hal Senadella. We were located in Menlo Park, California, which is next to Palo Alto, basically where Stanford University is, you know, 10 miles north of Silicon Valley. My dad was a very active investor, and he primarily invested in single-family homes in the San Francisco Bay Area. So as I got into the business, both on the brokerage side and property management side, I started my own investing and pretty much followed his footsteps. So that would be buying one single family house at a time. San Francisco Bay Area is not really a cash flow market. It's more an appreciation market. Over time, I invested in other areas of the country, Austin, Texas, Charlottesville, Virginia, and had a fair amount of success investing out of area. Sold real estate in Silicon Valley for about 35 years and then made a lifestyle change and moved to Greenville, South Carolina in late 2014. So I've now been here about six years and uh, and love it. Became quite active investing in Greenville, South Carolina. I think the Carolinas as a whole is a wonderful place to invest. The demographics are pointing to that. And so at one point, I probably had 20, 25 rentals, managed most of them by myself, though the out-of-area properties hired property managers to, to manage them. Had good success with my rentals, generally very pleased they performed well. But in looking at the cash flow that I obtained from the equity in these rental properties, it probably wasn't doing as well as I would like. And again, I invested primarily in in appreciation markets, not cash flow. Now at the age of 66, I'm beginning to believe and put more importance on cash flow, hence my move into multifamily real estate. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. And you have vast experience 
experience in real estate like almost four decades and what kind of challenges you faced during this uh, real estate journey and how did you overcome them what kind of challenges did i have well managing properties some can sometimes be challenging though i've generally had pretty good luck in selecting good tenants good properties good areas so i don't have a lot of landlord nightmare stories that you sometimes hear for me when i got to the point where i'm self-managing 15 20 properties that's you know 15 20 25 rents to collect every month 20 25 mortgages to pay you got to keep track of insurance insurance policies, property tax bills, handle the maintenance of the property and keep all that record keeping. It was really kind of the amount of record keeping necessary that began to wear on me a little bit. It just became more time consuming than what I wanted. And so I think in addition to the amount of effort kind of managing, keeping track of 20 properties in 20 different locations, the cash flow wasn't quite what I wanted. So I think the transition towards multifamily has been eliminating some of the day-to-day -day management responsibilities, particularly accounting and bookkeeping, and also having a desire to increase cash flow on the equity in these properties. Awesome. And uh, would you share about your experience about condominium conversions to commercial multifamily properties? Yes. Yeah, so back, it was probably in the 1990s, I did two condominium conversions. One, a 36-unit building in Palo Alto, California. And then two or three years later, did a 48-unit condominium conversion in, in Mountain View, California, now home to Google and Intuit, etc. Takes quite a bit of work to go through the process to get the government approvals for condominium conversion. I don't think it's quite as prevalent today as it was back, you know, 20 years ago. And then, of course, each of those units had to be separately marketed to a buyer, typically a first-time buyer. Most of them we closed with FHA or VA financing, so typically zero to three percent down, first-time home buyer and so just going through the whole loan approval process, helping them get qualified and approved for the loans uh, was quite some some effort. And then once the association was formed, I would spend about a year or two working with the homeowners association to make sure things were up and running and answer any questions that I could. Both complexes are doing well today and have appreciated greatly in value like, like most real estate in the, the United States. John, would you like to share any challenges you faced during that time? I would say the challenges were primarily involved with obtaining the governmental approvals to convert an apartment building into a condominium. Even back in the 80s and 90s, housing affordability was an issue, and generally most governmental agencies want to maintain rental housing stock, maintain affordability, and of course, if you convert an apartment into a condominium, you're eliminating some rental stock from the community, albeit you're offering affordable first-time homebuyer opportunity. So I think the biggest issue was just working through all the regulations, both local and with the state of California, to get approval for the 
project. Uh, the other thing that was a challenge is the lenders had what was called a pre-sale requirement, which meant you had to have 70% of the units in the complex under contract before the lender would fund a loan. So if you can imagine in a 48-unit building, 70% is round numbers, let's say 35. What it meant was I had to sell 35 of the units, get 35 of the units under contract, keep them together, and then start closing them. So that, of course, took a two, three, four-month period. So buyers who came in and entered contract on the first couple units had to wait two or three months till we hit the pre-sale requirement. And of course, people are excited, they're nervous, they want to get a home, they're worried about what interest rates are going on, you know, doing what interest rates are doing. So the pre-sale 70%, getting them in the contract was another big hurdle. We were able to get it done, but that takes some scrambling around. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Sure. And why are you shifting towards multifamily on after 40 years? I'm shifting to multifamily for a variety of reasons. When I looked at the cash return on the equity in my single family homes, it was probably around 4% a year. And they're good properties. They were going up in value. So the total returns were fine. But I believe in multifamily syndications, you could reasonably expect 7 to 8% cash flow, plus some possibility of upside when the asset is liquidated. So I think the cash flow is better on multifamily. I believe having all your rental units in one location offers benefits of economy of scale. And as you get larger, above 100 units, you can have on-site staff. So for example, if I need to send out a plumber to one of my single family homes, it's probably a million, a hundred dollar service charge minimum. That gets to that at where I think with on-site maintenance and management, you can save some money on on costs. The third reason is I believe American demographics are moving towards renting as opposed to owning. Certainly, home ownership will always be strong, but I believe the demographics are kind of indicating America is moving towards towards a lower percentage of home ownership, a higher percentage of renters, affordability enters into that in most major metropolitan areas, the price of single family homes is through the roof. I think also what's at stake is I believe today's, many people today are far more mobile than people were 20, 30 years ago. I believe 20, 30 years ago, the dream was to have the nice house in the suburb, put down roots and live there 30 years, where I think today more people have the dream is traveling the world and seeing the entire world. So I think we have a more mobile society that maybe renting fits their lifestyle better than owning. And then I think the fourth reason would be current interest rates on agency debt for multifamily buildings is unbelievably attractive. I just invested in a project in Idaho, and I believe the mortgage rate was 2.88%. 
and for 10 years. And I believe that financing is going to reward investors over time. To put it in perspective, when I bought my first house in 1980, I paid 11 and three quarters percent interest, all right? 11 and three quarters percent. So when you can borrow money today at 3%, that's awfully attractive. And I think that's one of the big attractions with multifamily. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. And what markets you're focusing and what size of properties and what type of properties you're focusing? Good question. Thank you. So since I live in Greenville, South Carolina, which is kind of in the northwest section of the state, they call it the upstate. My primary focus for my individual investing would be Greenville, Spartanburg areas of South Carolina, maybe to Columbia. And for my personal investments, I think 20 to 50 units is the best fit for me as an individual investor. In terms of my passive investing and also activities as a GP. I think the North and South Carolina are my ideal markets. I've made investments in Charlotte, Columbia, and also one in Simpsonville, which is a suburb of Greenville. So I really like the Carolinas, and that's where I'm primarily focusing at this time. Certainly, I think anywhere in the Southeast is going to be good. And the Idaho investment, I've been looking to invest invest in Boise for about four years and finally found something that made sense to me. So I was excited to get into that market. Uh, Boise, of course, has exploded with uh, many folks from Silicon Valley moving to a more affordable area. So that's really driving that market. Cool. So you invested in passive side also, right? Correct. So like, what do you see in, before investing in passive side? What do I expect to see? Yes. Yes. Okay, sure. So most of the, so I would say on my passive investing, I've invested primarily in newer class A or class B properties. I would consider them to be core plus investments, you know, good tenant profile and, and uh, income, job stability, so forth. They're newer properties in primarily suburban locations, immediately outside, you know, major urban cores. And on those, I'm looking forward to getting about seven to eight percent cash on cash return on an annual basis. And on upon sale, probably look looking at internal rates of return of 14 to 15%. There are syndications out there that will promise more and perhaps that's achievable. I'm happy with 7 or 8% cash on cash and 14 15% internal rate of return over the life of investment. 66 years old, fairly well set financially. So I don't need to try to hit a home run or a grand slam. I just want to keep hitting, you know, nice line drive base hits, get a good return on my money and minimize the risk, preserve my capital, and obtain a decent return. And I think those numbers will provide a return that I'm happy with. So that's kind of what I look at. I might consider a light value add, probably not interested in a real distressed property, kind of more just a yield play on the purchase. Awesome. So would you share any of your best and worst real estate investment experiences so far? For sure. And they're not in the multi 
multifamily world, but uh, hopefully they'll still be of interest to your listeners. My best investment was buying a fix and flip old house on one acre and in Greenville, South Carolina. And I knew that the property could be subdivided. So I purchased the land with the house, went through the subdivision process, created two additional lots, renovated the house, sold that the first day on market, sold the two remaining lots to builders who built new homes. And that probably provided about a 30% return over about 18 months. So that was one of my better ones. The investments I made in Austin, Texas were also good. And I was very happy there, but the flip with the subdivision was probably the best. Any worst experience? Uh, Worst experience was maybe recently where I bought a duplex uh, and improving gentrifying part of town, intended uh, complete renovation of the units. It was intended to be a long-term hold. The area is improving nicely. Values and rents are going up. And when I went to the city to get permits, they said, well, since the cost of the renovation exceeds the value of the existing improvements, we're going to require your work meet present current zoning. Well, the the area had been rezoned single family, even though there were seven or eight other duplexes on this street. So therefore, I couldn't remodel it as a duplex. I considered doing it a flip, but at that time, I felt my capital was uh, better occupied, better used uh, in other ventures. So I ended up selling that property to a builder who is doing a single family flip on it. Didn't get hurt too badly, badly, maybe lost a couple thousand dollars when I was all said and done, but I was happy just to close the book on that project so I could do things that were more promising. Okay. What is your current focus on share something you're excited about now? Well, I'm very excited about moving into the multifamily space. I have a 30-unit building here in the upstate under contract. I'm in the middle of completing due diligence. We'll have four or five investors with me on that. So I'm very excited about uh, hopefully completing my first multifamily investment. And the other thing I'm excited about is helping other kind of small-scale, single-family, two- to four-unit investors move into the multi family space, kind of like I'm transitioning. As I talk to my fellow friends and investors, they understand the time it takes to manage all of these single family homes to run these fix and flips. And between family, friends, work, if you're running a flipping business or managing 20 20 single family homes, you start to run out of time. And I think many people are going to be interested in investing passively, removing themselves from the day-to-day management, still get nice returns, but more than anything, kind of protect their capital and free up their time. So I will be, uh, Spark Investment Group is is focused on helping small-scale rental property owners move into multifamily, and uh, I'm very excited about that. Been in the real estate business a long time, but it's fun to kind of learn a new aspect of the business. And so I'm very excited about that. 
Awesome. Yeah. One advice that impacted you. The best advice I ever probably got, which I didn't quite understand at the time, was I got out of grad school, I think I was 23, and went to work for my dad, who was total old school guy, born in 1919, lived through the Depression, great mentor, wonderful man, taught me what I know about real estate, and he said to me, Arn, pay yourself first. And I go, well, what does that mean? Pay myself? first. I mean, I get paid. What do you mean pay myself first? And of course, what he was trying to tell me was every paycheck you get, set aside a certain amount for savings and future investment. And that lesson stuck to me. Obviously, early on, there wasn't a lot of savings, but the notion of living below your means so you have excess capital that you can save and then invest to grow your wealth is a key issue. I think saving and investing money and putting it to work for you is more important than necessary where you invest it, just the act of investing it will pay dividends over time. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, any of your personal habits that help you to be successful? Yeah, so I, I have a morning routine. I have my two cups of coffee, two pieces of toast, and I head to the gym for a morning workout. And that's pretty much, you know, seven days a week, 365 days a year. So I start with the morning workout routine, fitness routine, and that just kind of gets me centered and going and energized for the rest of the day. So it's something I follow religiously. It works for me. That's a key component to getting my day day off to a great start. Yes. Any one book that impacted your life and what way? Yes. So this might be a little touchy-feely, but a book I read maybe 20 years ago, it's called The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. And it kind of just traces and lays out, if you can stay in the moment, not regret the past, not worry about the future. If you can just stay in the moment, everything's okay, right? So everything's okay right in this moment. I think sometimes people, including myself, start mind tripping about the future or looking back to the past. It's not productive, I think, just trying to stay focused in, in the present moment. Yeah, awesome. So how are you giving back to community? Well, golf is one of my passions. I've played since I was eight years old. So that's whatever, 55 years or however long that is. So I volunteer with the first tee of the upstate. It introduces young kids to the game of golf, but more importantly, it uses golf to teach and talk about character traits like integrity, honesty, responsibility. So it's using golf as a way to instill some character values in in young people and I love being involved with youth and sports they're two of my passions and so to put them together works great right so how can listeners can connect with you sure my website would be investwithspark.com my email is arn at investwithspark.com or you can always just call me on my cell 650-575-6114. Thank you, Arn. I really enjoyed the conversation. Yes, nice talking to you and uh, glad to know that, that we're neighbors. Yeah. If you like the show, please subscribe, share, rate, and review. And if you want to connect with me, please send me a message info 
at ushacapital.com. Thank you for listening. Creating Wealth Through Passive Apartment Investing Podcast. I hope you learned something from the show. See you in the next episode. Thank you. Any information provided from these shows are educational purpose only. As always, please consult with your own CPA, legal and financial advisor before investing. Thank you.